If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. The talent for so many players today, the talent in the spotlight, it's taking them to heights that their character's not strong enough to support. I'm one of those set goals achievements. I talked about faith, passion, obviously the drive with the guys that I've been around and the guys that surround me every single day. If I want to be one of the best, I've got to play with and against the best. Okay, so that which gets praised gets repeated. You're listening to The Hardwood Hustle, brought to you by PGC Basketball. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to the Hardwood Hustle broadcasting here in Baltimore, Maryland. I'm your host, Adam Bradley, alongside TJ Rosine. Today, we're going to be jumping into part two of our four-part series about coaching traps. Uh, last episode, we talked about controlling coaches creates compliant players, and it's something coaches need to be sensitive to. Today, we're going to be talking about critical coaches creating insecure players. All right. If you join us for the upcoming two, uh, after this, just be prepared. We're going to be talking about avoiding coaches and how they create disengaged players and also rescuing coaches and how they create helpless players. All part of a four part series on traps that coaches tend to fall in. But today, TJ, critical coaches create insecure players. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I looked at these four traps, I thought this might be the one that's most me. This is the one I probably fall the most into. And uh, I think at the end of the day, like we play against a lot of teams, specifically in one area. Let me give you an example of how it might play out with coaches, but specifically in the area of shot selection. You know, there's you ever seen those players that they just feel free? Let's just go with a Trey Young in Oklahoma, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, green light, green light, like green, green, green across the board. You know. Coach is not in his head, and you know that at the end of the day, he's not. Nobody's in his head. He's just hooping, and um, he and, and Kruger's created that for him, and, and did the same thing for Buddy Heald. You know what I mean? Which I wonder if some of these guys are going to come out quite as good as they actually are. You know, you've seen some of these guys like Jimmer Fredette. That was created for him. Um, you, you've seen a whole bunch of different types of players that have had that type of freedom. Now, I've had that type of freedom as a player too, and it's an awesome thing to have. It, it's really a lot of fun, and. It's a great way to play the game um, if you're that person, right? But it doesn't always create great teams. It doesn't always create, you know, unstoppable uh, teams, but it may may be really good for that player. And I think every player looks at it and be like, well, I wish coach would get off me and just give me what Trey Young could do. You know, like give me that freedom, right? But then you see coaches, the number one reason I think teams from an X's and O's standpoint lose games of basketball is shot selection. And so that's probably the, the most – the biggest Achilles heel of all of it. And so we have to teach shot selection. So when I get really critical of our shot selection, and our season usually goes like this. We come out with some freedom, right? Then I realize how much it's hurting us. I clamp down. They start overthinking. You can tell it's in our head a little bit. Then we finally get what a good shot and a bad shot is, and then I get back out of their head. I'm conscious to get back out of their head. Um, and it, it's a process. I wish I could find a way to not actually get in their head, but I knew I know every time once a year I do get in their head, and I'm not willing to – there comes a point where I just put my foot down and say, we are not shooting these shots anymore. And then they start overthinking, and we're on the, the back end. We're, we're late in the season, about you know the, the third quarter of it, and we're in the place of coming out of – me being in their heads but I have been 
the previous you know eight to ten games probably and um, and and so I, I that's I'm creating an insecure player specifically from a shot selection play they second guessing what they're doing offensively because I'm so critical of the shots they are taking and decisions they are making now are you upset at yourself for it I, I wish that I mean, is that is that the emotion you'd go to? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I wish there was a. I wish that I knew another way, a better way to do it. Like I wish, you know, like the utopian way of like everybody's got the green light, y'all just go hoop, right? That's. Yeah. Not, I, I mean, we beat teams like that all the time, and so I know that's not where I want to go. But I also, I know what it's like to be a player and have freedom to play and not have to overthink. And I love being in that spot. But, you know, it's like with, you know, with great freedom comes great responsibility. And what I've had a hard time doing is striking that balance. I've tried to give them that freedom, especially early in the year, and they haven't handled it with great responsibility. So then I get back in their heads because we lose a game or two, and I'm tired of losing, and I want to change that. So I wish I knew a better way to do it is, is what, I, what I'd like to find. You know, this is where I get fascinated by the power of communication. I wonder if there's, a, there's enhancements in communication to get around this, right? That you can be a coach that holds your players accountable, that in essence is critical at times, but does it in a way that the players don't feel it, right? Can get your point across, can make your point known, your expectations clearly addressed, but do it in a manner of which that it doesn't hurt their confidence, right? Like that's where I feel like, you know, coaches need to study communication because oftentimes I think sometimes semantics or just how we, how we, uh, communicate our message could maybe help us navigate these waters because I've seen it all the time, right? Super confident player uh, goes to a program. It's what the coach loved about the player, this confidence that the player had. The player gets into the program and it's not up, it's four, six weeks later, the player has no confidence because of what the coach has done. Yeah. Not, I mean that that's not healthy. Okay, you yeah. know what I mean? Because you you ha- you were handed this player for, and you love their confidence, and you are the one who took it out of them. And once again, I wonder if it's a communication thing that if we could figure out how to balance the praise with the critiques, how to sandwich those in, how to position it a little differently. If you could still get the critiquing that is necessary, because let's be honest, it's necessary at times, right? We've got to coach and hold standards and hold them accountable without creating the insecurities that then penetrates their confidence and now they're a shell of themselves and maybe you're responsible for it. Yeah, I mean, shoot, I would love to find better ways to do that. <laughs> I'm, I'm being real. Let me, let me, I'll give you, just dive a little bit deeper into it. You know, like, so get this uh, particular player. is a great player. Love, you know, and because he's such a good player, I want to give him some freedoms. But, you know, we go out there and, and uh, unbelievable, maybe the best player in the league attacking the rim, you know, great offensive rebounder. Um, and so... But he thinks so much of the game about stepping out and shooting three. Like, everybody loves the three ball, you know? And so even when they're not attacking the rim. It's the girls. Yeah, he's thinking about knocking down the three. So he, 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 he gets he, – I mean, and so here's what happens. So here's where we, we are in, in, in the point of the season. Like, okay, my thought process as a coach is like he plays hard. He's a good kid. You know, like I want he works on his three. I want to give him some freedom to be able to shoot the three. But I really want 80 to 90% of his time attacking the rim, you know? So we go in with that philosophy. But then we go back and you lose two or three one-point games. And in those games, he goes 0-2 or 0-3 from the three-point line. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what 
the heck, you know? So then you, you kind of gear it back, and then he's thinking a lot because you're like, hey, you need to quit shooting those threes and do it. That, you know, so then we get into our last two games. I said, listen, just forget it. You can't even shoot a three. You're sitting the rest of the game if you shoot a three. Just attack the rim, do what you do. Two huge wins, goes for 27 and 30 in back-to-back games. Mm. Shoot 68% from the field. You know what I mean? Like, and so now definitely, you know, inside his head a little bit about shooting and that, that inside the head grew as he went from 35% to 29% to 25%, you know, and kind of moved his way down. And, uh, and I really didn't want to take away that confidence, but that thought process was there. And now everything's at the rim and I'm sure people are going to make adjustments and we're going to need to knock down some jumpers. So I'm going to have to get him back to a place where, you know, he feels confident when they back that far off of him to nail, uh, to nail the jumper. But man, the, the more I slow played it, the more it hurt us. You know, and so we had to get to that place of like right now, quit doing that and do this. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wish there was a, a a better way to do it than the way that I did it. TJ, let's take a quick halftime break because I've got a, a response to that. Uh, but let's say uh, let, let's jump in with Team Snap for a communication tip here in a moment. Thanks to our friends over at Team Snap for today's halftime communication tip. Coaches, how often are you recommunicating your vision, your plan for the program? This needs to be a regular occurrence in your program, whether it's weekly or bi-monthly. It needs to be a constant reminder to your coaches and to your players what you want this program to look like, what you want it to be, and where you want it to go. This is an important communication aspect of any coach, and what I want to challenge you, if you haven't done that in a while, make this week the week that you get back to communicating your vision to make sure we never get too far off track from where we want to go. Thanks to our friends over at Team Snap. Make sure you check out teamsnap.com backslash hustle to learn more about the communication app serving over 15 million people across the globe. Special thanks to our friends at Team Snap for all their support of the hustle. Now back to the show. TJ, I understand what you're saying, and, and you really do, and I can tell, and I, I've been around you enough, that you're always trying to find that balance, right, of, of being critical, but then also, you know, building up your players, but I, I, if we're honest, I think there's a lot of coaches out there, and I've seen them firsthand, that that really do struggle with this, and they weigh so heavily on the critical side yeah. that their players are just lacking confidence, they're really suffering from an insecurity, you know, just... Uh, constantly just kind of being nitpicked and micromanaged from their coach, right? And I think coaches need to be reminded, first of all, you as a coach, you hate being micromanaged by your administration or or by your athletic director, right? So sometimes it's important to remember how you don't like to be kind of coached or managed and and be aware of that as it relates to you leading and, and managing and coaching your players. But I tell you, one thing that I don't think is healthy to some degree for your players is that if your players, if you ever find this where they are having to work their tail off over and above for your approval, that's a really tough situation. It kind of reminds me of like a uh, like the tough dad syndrome where you're mm-hmm. just spending your whole life just trying, 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 trying to appease your dad, right? And the, you, just, you just never have been able to make him proud. 
and he's always finding ways to kind of tear you down or nitpick or you know you get all A's but one B and all your dad does is harp on your B and it's like you know and, and every time you're trying to turn that corner to get some praise from your dad you just can't right because they're always finding the thing to kind of bring you back down because they think if I can keep kind of poking if I can keep bringing up that one thing it's going to be the continuing driving force to motivate them and to keep pushing them and maybe there's a fear from the dad that if I praise him that he'll become complacent that he'll begin to pull back so I just I just keep going with this tough love real critical and inside it's it's really impacting the kid right it's impacting the player I hope we're not getting to that point as coaches. And if you, you know, love to t- take a moment right now and evaluate you, are you such a critical coach that your players are having to work over and above simply for your approval, for some praise out of you? I think it's always important that our praises outweigh the criticism yeah. and no. the critiques. And we've got to recognize the good that is being done and even if this is simply how this conversation goes, that we make a more conscious, intentional effort to praise and not just critique to help avoid creating insecure, lacking confident players. Maybe that's the message you need to hear today, right? But I've seen a lot of coaches that I look and I feel bad for the player, TJ. I really do. I'm looking at the player and I just, I know what the player wants. The player just wants their coach to communicate that they're proud of them. Yeah. And, and that they've done a good job mm. and that they're, they're impressed with what, the way they've been handling a situation, but it almost never comes out. It makes me think, is the coach concerned that if I start praising, I'm going to create complacency? I think that's a, I think it's a, a real fear. You know what I mean? I think it's a real fear. And I, on, to be honest with you, it does happen. Right, it, the praising creating complacency. It does. It does sometimes. You know, like when players feel like, okay, I arrived. I finally did what coach wanted me to, and their guard lets up. It's a natural reaction, you know. And I. But think, what's the worst consequence? Yeah. Like, would I, would I rather have a player maybe fall back no. slightly into yeah, a that's complacency what I was, versus? That's what I was gonna say. Like I like I can't even think for myself. It, it definitely I have no outweighs right? the, that one. Definitely outweighs. You're you're right. I, I think, you know, I got I got two quick thoughts for you. One, um would be this is that uh if you if you have this type of team that is fearful you know you can't be a really really good team because Mm. the one thing i I know about good teams that i've been around i've been around look i've coached a lot of teams and i've been around teams that are you know 30 and 2 and 30 28 they have a pretty neat swagger about them and you cannot have that i mean you look at the eagles winning the super bowl going into that place right like there was a swagger, like there was a belief inside of them. It wasn't boisterous, it wasn't loud, but there was a belief inside of them. Like you guys think the Patriots are going to win this, but we're pretty dang good, you know. Mm-hmm. Like we're coming with that. And so, if you if you don't allow that type of swagger to fester within a team, you're not going to be able to win the big one. You're not going to be able to go to that that level that like special teams go to, and it, because insecure teams just. They can't muster it up against the best teams, you know. So that that's why it's important. Like that's why what you said outweighs the other one because coaches have to think about that. Like, gosh, I sure don't want a complacent team, right? But at the end of the day, like if you want, if you're going after the big one, if you're burning the ships and going for it all, you got to create a team that has a level of swagger. Like so, for me, down the stretch run, we've had a lot of ups and downs. But the other day, I met with Mike and Graham. I said, "Here's what we need: six games left, and then the tournament." We've got to start building our swagger, mm. and 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 I think that goes back to 
you know, saying positive things. And the other day we did a, um, a uh, at the NBA Players Association as a facility in New York, and we did a, um, a Jeremy Lin clinic there, and he sat in and listened to the classroom stuff. And, they, you know, Mono asked him, what struck you more than, any, you know, anything from the classroom? He said, you know that – that PPMs per minute, positives per minute. He's like, I could do better than that. I had, I wasn't even aware of that. Like, and I think coaches too. PPMs are positives per minute. Like, how many positives are you going over a practice? We always say, you know, like, if you can get two positives per minute. Imagine that you had a one-hour practice, just twice. Adam, nice shot. Adam, nice pass. Took two seconds. The rest of the fifty-eight seconds, I can rest, right? But if you were to just add two over the course of an hour, that's a hundred and twenty positive things you would say within your team take that times 10 players right you're at a thousand times 15 players you're at 15 right there would just be so much good energy you know and it doesn't it, let us say it was just one positive for a minute mm-hmm. and jeremy lynn's like you know he, he, when he talked about it, he's like that's one thing that just stuck out to me like i don't i don't do enough of that and i think jeremy lynn's a pretty dang good teammate sure to wear it. but i think if you think about coaches and what if we went into practice and we were to say one positive for a minute over the course of an hour and a half 90 positive things you would say to your team Look, I'm I'm lucky to get out ten right now, you know. Like, and, and now I I do try and swing with big ones, you know. Like when when it comes, people know. Like, wow, coaches are really proud of me. Like, I dig from the heart when I do give it. But I could definitely pepper the air a little bit more. You know, this could be the conviction a coach needs right now. What is your CPM currently? Critiques per minute. Mm-hmm. And to that point that you just said, I couldn't help but to think, you know, the coaches that are, you know, if they're honest with themselves and saying, oh, I may be at like two to three CPMs, TJ and Adam, uh, you know, over an hour, that's 120, that's 180 critiques, 180 semi-negative critiques per practice. Yeah. Whew. Now you think about it in that regard, you put that on the player What's the player feeling at the end of that 60 minute? If you average two to three critiques, 180 a practice, did I do anything right? <laughs> Was there anything that, that I should build on, right? Or is it all just not quite up to your standard? I think it's a conviction and, and something we need to wrestle with. And I tell you, I love the PPM. Positive. What if, I got an idea. What if you did this as a coach? What, I mean, if you really wanted to get better, have right? your assistant track it? Yeah, have somebody track it, a manager, what, how much? Put a check mark for every positive and a check mark for every negative. Like you know how coaches say, "Film yourself." Mm. What would it look like? It's really telling when you film yourself. You're like, "Oh, geez." Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the first thing I look at, I'm like, "I need to lose a few pounds." Yeah, so I was gonna I, say. I the would, second thing, I'm yeah. always like, "I need to stand up straight yeah, when yeah, I'm standing." Yeah, but you go over all those things. <laughs> but after you get back to the initial, what you look like, right? And you get down to what you're saying, it'd be really neat to, to track that. If you cared about really growing as a coach, that'd be a really neat way to maybe possibly grow yourself. And coaches, we're going to take the same series that we're doing and turn it into a player episode series. And, and you better believe in this one for the players. We There's a responsibility on them as well that if you kind of open it up and, and you pull back on the critiques that they have a responsibility in this too to make sure that you don't uh, burn yourself in the process, right? That you're not giving them the freedom, and then now they're taking advantage of it, and they become complacent and and loose, and you know, lacking responsibility. They have a responsibility in this too, but you know, for the here and the now, coaches, we need to be conscious of this trap that when we begin to do this, creating, uh, being a critical coach, it will create insecure players, and that won't necessarily lead you to where I believe and TJ believes you want to go as a coach. So. 
Listen, make sure you stay with us for the next two episodes as we continue the four traps of coaching. I am Adam. He is TJ. Together, we are the Hardwood Hustle. Till next time, we're out.